Grace to you and peace from God and from heaven's champion, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're continuing our sermon series on the parables of Jesus in the kingdom. And today I'd like to talk with you about the parable of the unjust steward, also called the dishonest manager. And uh, we, I preached on this about a year ago. Today I'd like to uh, preach on it again and expand on that message because it's so important. So what are we going to do? We'll read it, we'll explain it, then we'll apply it. So get excited. Jesus has a good word for you. Here we go. Luke chapter 16. Here it is. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the management away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. Ah, I've decided what to do. So that people may receive me into their homes uh, when I'm put out of the uh, uh, management. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master, the guy's boss, the guy who owned everything, commended the dishonest manager for his wise actions. For the sons of this world are wiser in their dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous money, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. So there, we've read it. Now let's explain it. Let's put it in a little bit more modern terms for you. Enron, a city, uh, sorry, a a, uh, company in 2001, it was like a city, because they had $101 billion in revenue that year. But as you all probably well know, the managers were dishonest. They dealt in accounting fraud, and it came one day known to them that they were going to be audited, and they knew that when the books were opened, they would be thrown into jail for their dishonest, poor management. And so what would you do in a situation like that if you were a dishonest manager? You would try to make some fast maneuvers, some quick deals. You'd look for some legal loopholes to try to keep yourself from being prosecuted and uh, to save your escape, sudden disaster, and secure for yourself a good future, right? Well, that's exactly what this dishonest manager did in Jesus' parable today. And we say, we notice Jesus says after that, the master, the guy's boss, the guy who was in charge, who owned everything, like this guy was managing his stuff, the master, the boss, commended this dishonest manager for his wise actions, He says, and Jesus says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous money so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. What's Jesus saying here? He's basically saying, be like this man. (laughs) You're to imitate him. He is a role model for you. (laughs) Whoa, horses, rein him in. (laughs) Hang on, you want me, Jesus, to be like this scoundrel, this louse, this skinflint, this terrible guy? Uh, He's doing all these kind of this lying cheat? Jesus wants you 
to be like him. We're to imitate him in some way. So now we need to understand how. How are we supposed to be like him? Why is Jesus setting him up as an example to us? Should we be like this dishonest manager in his poor management of his master's money? Answer, no, because that's the reason he was in the trouble for the first place, for wasting his master's goods. Should we be like him in his dishonest business deals? No, for if you look at the verse immediately following this parable, Jesus says, verse 10, he who is faithful in a very little is faithful in much. He who is dishonest in a little is dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in unrighteous money, who will entrust you to the true riches? So Jesus condemns dishonesty. Well, how about this? Can we be like him in his love for money? Because he probably had a love for money. He was apparently squandering, wasting his master's goods. Answer, no. Because the next verse, verse 13 of the Bible says, you cannot serve God and money. So how then does Jesus want you to be like this dishonest manager? Answer, this dishonest manager was a poor manager of his money, of his master's money, but he was a great manager of his time, of the little time that he had left to save himself and to lay up for himself a great future, and Jesus wants you to be like that. Note what he was commended for. It says, Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his wise actions. What was wise about him? What did he do that was wise? Well, first of all, the dishonest manager heard that there, the alarming news that there was a day of accounting coming. Turn in the account of your stewardship. In other words, bring in the books, let's check them out. You're about to be fired. Hear that there's a day of accounting coming, and he took that seriously. That was wise. Secondly, he quickly reasoned out a plan of action to provide for his future. The manager said to himself, what, shall, what am I to do? My master is going to kick me out. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. Ah, I've decided what to do so that people may receive me into their houses when I'm put out of the management. He had a quick plan, plan of action on how to handle this day of judgment coming to him. Third thing he did was he took quick action on that plan to secure for himself a great future. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Notice, he acted with all speed. He didn't just have a plan. He acted on that plan with all zeal, with all speed, with all diligence, because he knew that his hour of judgment was near. Notice, he doesn't even go to these people and say, hey, how you doing, Joe? How's the wife and kids? How you feeling? Uh, he doesn't shoot the breeze with them, just... You owe this, write that. You owe this, write that. Bam, he's fast to his work because he knew they had very little time left. And that's why, friends, the master commended the dishonest steward for his wise actions because he, did, he had very little time left and he made good use of it. And Jesus says to you today, right now, I want you to be like this man. A good manager of the very little amount of time that you have left on this earth to secure for yourself a great future in my kingdom, rich in rewards. Jesus also says here, the saints are not good managers of time. <laughs> you think that's true? We're pretty poor managers of the time and the resources God's given us. 
we waste his goods. We waste our time. Jesus says, for the sons of this world, verse 8, are wiser in dealing with our own generation than the sons of light. What's he saying? Jesus is basically saying, friends, look, look at this dishonest manager, this skinflint, this louse. Even the world's cunning, crafty businessmen know how to do this better than you do. He says, they know that the, a day of reckoning is coming. And when they know of that, they, make a, they don't just sit around. They take it seriously. They show genuine alarm. They make a quick plan, and they act on it with all speed and diligence and zeal to save themselves and provide for themselves a future. They can deal that way with the things of this world, but the children, the sons of light believers, are not so wise in dealing with the things of the world to come. For we also hear of a day of reckoning coming, right? A day of judgment, a day of accounting, when God's going to call us to account for our lives before him. We hear of that, right? And uh, we know that that day is coming quickly, like a thief in the night. We also know that we will have to appear before God to give an account of the management of all that he's given us, our life, our time, our talents, our gifts, our words, and such things. And yet, and yet for all this knowledge, we're poor managers of our time. We hear that word and we don't really take alarm at it. We don't sit down and make a quick plan on how to manage our time better to secure a great future for ourselves, we don't take quick action with all speed and diligence to see that we do it so that we might lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven that are eternal and that are promised us for work done in this life. Would you say that's true? That we're poor managers of our time? We've mismanaged it? We know we have little time left. And God, Jesus, is telling you here, I want you, friends, to use it to your best advantage. So listen to me. Act quickly. Do you do this? Well, let's uh, apply this now. We've done the reading the, and the explaining. Let's now apply it to us. What should we do? Jesus says, take a cue, my friends, from this dishonest man. He even acts this way to secure for himself a, wis- uh, a future with wisdom and speed. Use your little time that you have left on this earth to secure for yourself a great future. And how do you do that? Okay, you're going to do it with me now? Number one, realize and recognize, knowledge you have a day of accounting coming, a day of reckoning, the great day of the judgment of God, where you'll stand before him to give an account of how you've managed your bodies, your words, your relationships, your time, and all such things, and resources. Do you acknowledge that? Seeing and hearing very little? (laughs) I know you do, but 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. And Romans 14, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, so that each shall give an account of himself to God. You'll be there, and that day is coming quickly. Do you acknowledge that day? Do you acknowledge that day? We're going to go to point two here. Thank you. All right. Excellent. Second thing is to get a quick plan of action together as to how to prepare best for that day. Number one, repent and believe the gospel. Make sure your salvation is in order. For if we go there with our sins, we're in big trouble. But you know, the wonderful news is God sent his son to be our savior. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He came here. You've mismanaged. You are the dishonest manager, like I am. We've all wasted our, the things that have been entrusted to us. But Jesus came to wipe that account clean to forgive you everything, to 
make you a clean slate. It says, because if, we, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you do that today? Then you're saved. And in him, Paul says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. And Jesus says to you, if you come to me, I will in no wise ever cast you out. Isn't that a beautiful word that he prepares us for that day? Second thing we want to do is show forth our faith in, in works of faithfulness, in service to God, in loving each other, helping one another, feeding the poor, doing those things that please God and which he commands, giving thanks, and laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And Jesus gives us one way to do that here, right, in this parable, right? What's he say? Verse 9. I tell you, friends, make, uh, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous money, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal habitations. What's that mean? Well, one of the things God's given you, right, is money, right? Everybody got a little bit? A little bit at least? You're a steward of it. You're a manager. It, oh, it belongs to God. He's given it to you. Use this stuff that's unrighteous in this world that's going to pass away when Jesus comes. Help the poor. Help use it to bless others. And when you appear and that a kingdom appears, those whom you have helped will gladly clap and say, welcome you and say, I remember you. Thanks for blessing me with those things. Receive you into eternal habitations. And I want you to know and lay this to heart, you'll have a reward in heaven for that, Jesus says. He says that in Luke 14. When you give a banquet, friends, uh, or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or kinsmen or rich neighbors, for they might invite you back and repay you. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. <clears throat> Truly, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Would you say that's a reward? Then say the word reward. reward. He's telling you this ahead of time so that you do it because God can't wait to bless you. He wants to give rewards to you. Salvation, friends, is a free gift of God's grace. Rewards are earned for faithful service. And God wants you to use the time that you have left to earn these. 1 Corinthians 3, shall, uh, Paul says, Each shall receive his wages according to his labor. Matthew 10, Jesus says, Whoever gives to one of these little ones a cup of cold water because he's my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he's done. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each may receive good or evil according to what he's done in the body. Friends, do you know that you only have a little amount of time to do this? A tiny little whisper, vapor of smoke to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? And Jesus wants you to act quickly on this. Now, why do we help people out? For the reward? We help them because we love them. We help them because we love our king. We help them because they're in need. And that's what we do, because we care for people. But there is a reward... And God wants that to inspire you. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, For without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that, number one, he exists, and secondly, that he rewards those who seek him. Understand that? Moses considered abuse suffered for the Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he looked to the reward. Jesus himself, it says in Hebrews 12, 
endured the cross, despising its shame, because he looked for the joy that was set before him, the prize. Paul himself says, I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward what lies ahead for the, upward call of the, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize. God wants these rewards to inspire you, and Jesus says, and here's his point with you today, with me too, because I've mismanaged my time for sure. You have but little time left, friends. Just like this dishonest manager. You have but an hour left of management. How will you use that hour to secure for yourself a great future in my kingdom according to these promises I've given you of an eternal reward in my kingdom? So, friends, act quickly. Quickly. But often we don't do that too well. <laughs> We're pretty mis bad mismanagers of the time. In fact, look at this dishonest steward. He was called wasting his goods. Consider the way we might waste the time, that precious gift given us to work in. I met a man on the boat uh, just recently, actually. He's a retired minister. Uh, and um, interesting, I asked, hey, what do you do in your retirement now that you're retired from the ministry? Nothing. I was like, well, I'll, that could be taken different ways. Well, well, what do you like to do? Well, I like to go fishing. He says, but I don't really care what I catch or if I, if I catch anything or if I don't catch anything because I like just doing nothing. <laughs> Man, you know, there's good times to go fishing. Jesus was a fisherman. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. They went fishing. There's times that God has for leisure, right, where you might even have some great communion with God. Come away with me to a lonely place and rest a while. We need times of leisure in our life. But if your aim in life and in your retirement is to do nothing, you are a fool. You're wasting precious little time that God has given you. Just a little tiny bit left to lay up treasures and you would do nothing with it. Consider this. Here, I'm going to get you now. <laughs> How about uh, watching TV? Uh, do you know that if you watch one hour of TV on average a day in a 12-hour workday, that's one in 12. That means one out of every 12 years, you spend the entire year, every day, getting up 12 hours a day, doing nothing but watching television for that entire year. You don't even take time to eat or sleep or go to the bathroom. You're watching TV, sitting on the couch. Do you know that if you do that until you're the, at the age of 85, you've spent and wasted seven years of your life in which you could be gathering fruit for eternal life and serving God, doing nothing? sitting on the couch. That's only one hour a day, friends. Most people watch much more than that. The price of a movie would be the price of 21 years of your life by the time you're 85. The devil is a great entertainer. But I want to ask you, if you were to sit and watch TV and maybe, I mean, there's times for that. That's okay. There's good stuff. But you know, most things on TV are to your detriment. Sometimes I watch something and it encourages me in my Christian faith. I want to be adventurous and courageous like this guy I saw in the movie. But usually it brings us down and we're wasting our time with this. What will, we, what will it be like? Will, will you receive a reward for this at the accounting day? Will laying on the couch doing nothing pass through the fire of God's judgment? How will you give an account of such a loss of time before the king doing this or that or some other idle task? And God is telling you this today in order to tell you time is precious. There's but a little wisp of it left. I have so much I want to give you. I have promise, I've attached promises to this. Don't waste it. 
Use this little, be like this wise manager. What would, the, what would the dishonest manager have been like if he had taken this approach to his owner or his, his boss? He would have been out on the streets begging for bread. And we hear in Proverbs 19, verse 15, laziness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. And God wants you to be zealous and to be laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So to help inspire you on this, I thought I'd look at a, uh, a preacher from early America, uh, some of his points. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of the guys who started the great American revival, the first great um, revival. And his aim in life from the time he was 18 was, here's his resolution, resolved in his life never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it the most profitable way I can. Is that your, your idea? Do you manage your, do you sit, do you take that day seriously, that reckoning? Do you actually maybe take a time today to sit down and say, how can I manage my time better? Get a plan and then act quickly in that plan to secure a great future for yourself like the dishonest manager who acted wisely? Consider these things from scripture that Jonathan Edwards helped point out. Each of us in our days, we have only an allotted number of days on this earth. They're fixed. They're determined. They're not forever. (laughs) <laughs> when we're young or even, even when we're old, we're going through life, we think, I'll live forever. I got plenty of time. Do you know what? The closer you get to it, the faster it goes. Do you know that in Scripture it says, in Job, a man's days are determined. The number of his months is within you to God, and you have appointed his, his bounds that he cannot pass. There's a precious amount of time. It says, in Psalm 139, David says, In thy book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Your days are fixed, and you're fast approaching that day when this little tiny moment of earthly life is gone, and we're going to get an eternity. God says, use that. Use it. It's a manage the time I give you to your benefit, to your best advantage, and that of others. Realize this too, friends. Time is short. <laughs> Shorter often than you think. Job says, man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. And Psalm 39, let me know how fleeting my life is. Psalm 90, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, as you know, I'm a charter boat captain as well. run that part-time. Down at the marina, there's a guy, an older guy, who's actually heart trouble. He was just hoping to live long enough to see, forgive me, but Obama get out of office, you know. (laughs) That's what he kept telling me, and, and uh, frankly, now he has to wait four more years. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's been kind of at death's door in his last hour, and he, he says, you know, Greg, uh, life's like a, a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get toward the end of it, the faster it comes out. <laughs> you know, time is short. Our time is rapidly coming to a close. We've got to use it. And because time is short, it's also very valuable. When something is, is, is uh, scarce, it gets all the more price attached to it, right? Well, our time is very scarce. Hezekiah, just ask any man who's at his death's door. Old Testament reading, Hezekiah, he's about to die. Isaiah says, put your house in order. You're not going to recover. You're going you're gonna to die. What happened to him? He wept bitterly because at that moment he realized how precious every day, every hour, every second is. It's a gift from God to be used. And God actually added to him some extra time. But ask any dying man and they'll tell you how valuable every moment is. And we live as if we'll live forever. Live now as if you are in your last hour. It'll give you a precious 
sight of the time and use it. Because time also, next point, is uncertain. None of us knows how much time we have left. Now, I'm kind of a relatively young guy, at least by comparison, sorry. <laughs> All right? I try to exercise and eat right and all those things and hope to live a long life, but I'll tell you what, it's uncertain. I have no guarantee I will not die today, way before all of you. I might not make it home today. I may die in a car accident or have some other su such tragedy. Time is uncertain, and the general rule is we often have much less time than we think we have. So use it wisely. And time, once lost, can never be recovered. You know, if you have money, if you have millions of dollars in estates and such things, you can always recover those things if you lose them. You can maybe have another couple deals and get them back again. But when, once you lose time, it can never be regained. It's gone forever. God wants to use those precious opportunities. And that's another point. God has decreed that within the time he has given to you as a gift to be managed well, he has placed in there all along your way opportunities. To serve him, like open, like open doors for you to walk through. Do you walk through them? It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You know, God's going ahead of you in your life saying, open in this door, walk through there, there. But if we don't take the opportunity and see it and act on it quickly, that door just may close and may close never to be opened again. I was on the boat just, uh, what, two weeks ago or so? maybe a few months ago or so, and uh, the people were leaving from my boat. It was nighttime. They're walking down the dock, and I heard, just felt like God say, ask what you can pray for them about. I was like, oh, Lord, they're already 10, 20 feet down the dock. It's awkward. Ask him to pray. Ask him. God, this is weird. They're already 30 feet away, 40 feet. Ask him. This is awkward. 50 feet. Okay, hey, hey, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Can you come back? I, I just, is there anything I can pray for you about today? And we had this wonderful prayer under the twilight stars. And they delighted in it. And it was beautiful, but I almost missed that opportunity to walk through that door. Opportunities once lost cannot be recovered, but God places them there so that you might have great rewards and have great loving service, which is the main purpose of it. Don't waste your life and miss them. For conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, says Paul, making the most of every opportunity. And remember that it is in time that you have that affects your eternity. You can't, when you're in heaven, start feeding the poor and all those kinds of things to gain treasures there. God says and ordains the time is now. This very day, this very second, this life affects your entire eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. And only in time can we earn rewards in heaven. For it will be as when a man is going on a journey calling his servants and entrusted to them property, his property, says Jesus. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another gave one, according to their ability. Then he went away, just like Jesus did, when he gave us us stuff. He, who had the two talent, five talents, went at once, quickly, notice, speed, and traded with them and made five more. The guy with two did the same. The guy with one buried it, didn't do anything with it, just sit, let it sit there. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. <laughs> Sound familiar? Same parable, friends, as the unjust steward. You know, to settle accounts. Master, you delivered, uh, you delivered to me five talents. Here, look, I've made five more. And 
Jesus, the master, will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the two said similarly, but then the one who hid his stuff uh, said, I have hidden it in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And the master, Jesus, answered him, you wicked and slothful, lazy, lazy servant. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers that at least I should have interest. So take the town from him and give it to the one with the ten talents and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. For there are rewards for faithful service. And how limited and precious is your time which is fleeting away so fast. And God says, now is the time. Act. I'll lead you in it. I'll do, I just can't wait to bless you. For each man's work will become manifest, says Paul, because the day will disclose it. Disclose it. It'll be revealed with fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation of Jesus Christ survives, he will receive a reward. A what? Reward. A what? Reward. Say it one more time. Reward. But if any man's work is burned up, in other words, it's not found worthy. In other words, I was just spent my days and years playing golf, which is fine, but if that's your aim then you're wasting your life. It says, if any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So you may be saved, but some of the work, the management, the things you could have done were lost. You don't want to lose it. Don't waste your life. For the time to serve is now. It affects our eternal future. Jesus says, stay dressed and ready for action. And think of this. I'm drawing to a close here, but serve now. Show yourself valiant for your king in this world and in this time. Because how are you going to show yourself valiant for your king in heaven? Who's the poor person you're going to feed in heaven? There ain't no poor, right? What naked person are you going to clothe in heaven? There are no naked in heaven. Uh, what hungry person are you going to feed there? There are no hungry people. What lost person are you going to win to Christ? There are no lost people. What challenges will there be to overcome? There are no challenges. What enemies will be there for you to fight? And to show yourself valiant for your king with courage. There are no enemies there. Now is the time to fight. Now is the time to show yourself valiant for a king. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of, to, to serve. Show yourself valiant with courage. And lay for yourselves a treasure in heaven. And being a good manager of that little wisp of time that you have left. Psalm 119. When I think of thy ways, I hasten and do not delay to keep thy commandments. And Jesus encourages us with these words, I was hungry, he'll say, and you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you, and you came to me. So strive for those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. <clears throat> I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And frankly, friends, including myself, We've all failed at this, but I want to give the good news. We have one who's been perfect in his management of time. When the time had fully come, God sent forth a son born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. He came at the perfect time. When he worked, he said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night comes when no one can work. He acted quickly for you. At the time of his cross, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that the son may glorify thee. He acted on that hour to which he had come. And he died to wipe our accounts clean, to make our sins forgiven, a new life granted to us, and a joyful promise of the kingdom to come. And so let's be valiant. 
For God is with you, in, in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And perhaps, after all this, this parable is misnamed. It should not be called the parable of the dishonest manager, but the parable of the man who knew he had but little time and managed his time well. In Jesus' name, amen.